This is Live Limitless episode number nine. Welcome to the Live Limitless podcast where we interview normal, everyday people who decided to push their limits and live a much more limitless and remarkable life. I am your host, Matthew G. Bailey, international man of curiosity, a writer, lifestyle entrepreneur, and connoisseur of world travel. When the interview's over, please take a moment to visit livelimitless.net. Say hello, I'd love to hear from you. You can also sign up for the newsletter or just look at the information on all the past interviews. All right, now that the intro's over, let's do this. Welcome to podcast number nine of Live Limitless, and uh, joining us on the show today is Srini Rao, uh, who's the, the man behind Blogcast FM and School of Life. Um, he's interviewed more than 300 authors, entrepreneurs, and change makers, uh, as well as being a two-time speaker at Blog World Expo, and listed as part of Pro Blogger's annual 40 bloggers to watch back in, in 2011. And I know in his spare time, I think uh, he does a lot of surfing, right? Mm-hmm. Where are you uh, living at the moment? I am in Southern California, um, kind not as close as the ocean as I'd like to be, but uh, near like the LA area. Okay. Still some surfing, a lot of surfing there, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was just wondering, just for uh, to get some background, I just wanted to go back to, uh, I think it was 2009 when you were graduating mm-hmm. from business school. And, uh, you know, a lot of people around you most likely were, were probably looking to get that nice big title. <laughs> at a big corporation and just kind of have that life that it seems that most people dream of when they, they go into that kind of school. And it's just like, what, what made you think so differently? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, in some ways, I guess part of what made me think differently is that I was forced to think differently because those opportunities that you're speaking of were just not available. They were few and far between. Uh, so I think in a lot of ways, the calling or the journey found me as much as I found it. And the more that I, I got, the further I got down this path, the the closer I kept getting to a point of no return until eventually I did reach a point of no return where you, you know, you, you do anything in your life. Uh, and I'll, I'll use an example that somebody told me once in a bar about learning how to surf. He said, go 50 times because then you'll be too invested to quit. Uh, and at that point, it's more painful to quit than it is to actually uh, to, to actually continue. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a balancing act between knowing that, okay, well, this just isn't working or I'm not persistent enough. Uh, you know, you kind of have to be smart enough to do that. And that only comes through experience. I mean, there are definitely lots of ideas that I tried that failed, uh, fairly quickly. And, uh, I, I learned from, but, you know, I, I knew that what I was building was going to be something of great value, at least with Blogcast FM. School of Life was really a way, ironically, to get a job. And uh, it did lead to that. But then eventually that came to an end as well. So it, it I guess, you know, to, to really just answer your question, I don't necessarily think that I am very different than anybody. I was just in a situation in which my circumstances forced me to think very differently. And of course, once I got a taste of, of what was possible, it, it's kind of like that whole, once you take the red pill, uh, even if you want to go back, could would you, even if you could go back, would you want to? And so once I saw that, I knew that that was kind of a, it was over. There was no way I was going to go back to that other path. And then, then, you know, when you start to reflect on the other path, you start to look at it and you start to dissect it. What you start to see is at least in my case that, wow, I never had any real 
you know, contribution on that other path. And, and it, there's no way I could have been fulfilled on another path because none of it was based on like my real values and the things that matter to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then I, I remember you saying as well that, uh, or reading about that you went to Costa Rica for mm-hmm. six months and I just wonder like, so was, was, was also like a, a move like that to another country. Was that also something that you think changed either your life or, or, or the way you oh, think yeah. about things? I think it, it changed both. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're put in a situation like that, I, I think that it's very easy to look at somebody who does that and say, wow, that's glamorous and all you do is sip, sit on the beach and, and sip cocktails all day. But life there was a pain in the ass. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I'm sure if you talk to Colin Wright, you know, he's, he'll tell you the same thing, that it looks very glamorous from the outside. But what you realize is that everything that you take for granted here is actually much more difficult than all these other places. And it gives you an appreciation for what you already have uh, but you also start to value experiences much more than you start to value possessions. And, and that I think was really sort of a, a molding moment for me is, is saying, okay, I don't really need a lot of things anymore. Uh, cause I don't value things like, you know, I, I need the basics, but the thing is that like, like, I feel like the, the real wealth is, is basically the ability to have a life filled with experiences. And, you know, maybe some people want material things. You know, I used to think I wanted a lot of those things, but you know, when you start to dissect the reasons for wanting those things, then, you know, you start to look at it and it really becomes eye opening. And so much of it is about validation as opposed to genuinely wanting it. Like I have a friend who loves cars and I don't think he would give two shits if anybody saw him driving his nice car. And that to me is a legitimate reason to like cars. Whereas I think a lot of other people who buy nice cars are really concerned with their image and, uh, and being seen as driving nice cars, but he genuinely just loves cars. Uh, and it wouldn't make, I don't, if, if he d- drove in circles and in, in some huge dirt lot and not a single person saw him, I think he would get tremendous joy out of that. Yeah. Sometimes it, sometimes I think about just like, uh, some of the new friends I've made online and things like that. And just, uh, having access to all these different perspectives because just from growing up in an oil town like i don't know anyone at that point who would have ever said no to a like a million dollar job or to a mm-hmm. to a hundred thousand dollar job or whatever for any reason because like it was all about the money and now i know people who say like they would turn down a million dollar job basically if it didn't suit their life if, if it didn't add value and i just wonder like what what are your thoughts on like this way of thinking now that like i don't know if it's more and more people are thinking like this or if it's just like the circle online? I don't necessarily think it's isolated to the circle online. I think that what online has done is it's amplified the message because now there are more people who are talking about that thing. Uh, you know, what, what I found at least talking to people who are genuinely happy is that for them, intrinsic value in their work matters more than, more than the money. I mean, and, and the irony of course, is that when you find intrinsic value in your work, you make more money, you get more opportunities. Things just happen the way they're supposed to. Like all the things that you worry about, the external accolades, the metrics and all that other bullshit that basically keeps people um, from doing any real work, right? Like it's like, let me check my tweet count. Let me check my stat count. Let me check my Google analytics, all of which like the funny thing is you can check all those things all day, but ultimately you're not doing anything to move those things up. Like checking them doesn't cause them to change, you know, like actually doing, you know, creating stuff is, is what matters. Um, and, and then of course, you know, like if you start to create from a place of, okay, I am doing this because I love it, then everything changes. Like it, it no longer is this shit show of, 
the thing is, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I look at like podcasters sometimes or people who create anything, right? And I'll see this pattern of, oh, you know, I've, I haven't been doing it for a while, so now I'm back, and you know, I'm going to try to be more consistent about it and stuff like that. And then you kind of look at it, you know, I heard Noah Kagan talking about this the other day with Chris Brogan. He said, you know, you've got like 19 podcasts and he said, clearly you like doing this. But then, you know, so for so many other people, they look at what somebody else says and says, hey, you know, so-and-so says everybody should have a podcast. So like, I'm going to do one now too, even though they don't really enjoy it. So it becomes this chore. Like if the work you're doing, you know, becomes a chore, then it's going to be really hard to find that satisfaction. And as far as, you know, sort of that million dollar question, I, you know, I worked for a guy who was probably the worst boss I ever had. I mean, just the job was miserable and you couldn't pay me $20 million to go back into that environment. You know, I mean, it just, it, and that's, that's crazy to think that you would say that, but you're right. I, I think that we've, we've reached a point where people are sort of reevaluating their life because we're not going to be working at a job and retiring. You know, that's not going to happen. We, there's a good chance we're going to be working much longer than we originally planned to. And what made you kind of start a blogcast FM in the first place or, or, and what were some of the steps you took to make it into like the five-star podcast that it is today? <laughs> uh, well, that's a big question. I mean, that's obviously true. we're talking about four years of work that have gone into it, but uh, you know, the initial catalyst for it was that it was a very simple idea that started out as a weekly blog post, much, much like what you're doing, you know, just doing interviews as a part of your blog. I had no intention of building blogcast FM. And this is one of the things that I think really traps people is they, they think that, they have to know step two, step three, step four, step five, when really all you have to know is step one. Uh, and so really I thought, okay, it was a lesson and a course to interview people. So I started a weekly series called Interviews with Up-and-Coming Bloggers. And, you know, I couldn't have predicted where it was going to go. If, oddly enough, the first guy I ever interviewed told me, he said, don't underestimate what this is going to do for you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it just, you know, it started out as a uh, – as just a simple project. And, and this is why I encourage people to do projects that they don't know what they're going to get from. Like there's, I mean, the cost of doing it was nothing, right? It was sending an email, recording a conversation once a week and letting the chips fall where they may. And I did that for 13 weeks. And then suddenly, you know, somebody came back to me and said, okay, Hey, I think you should do this as a separate site. And so that became Blogcast FM. I mean, and it hasn't been without its growing pains. You know, there's there's definitely challenges. It's still not easy. It's not uh, it's not like you wake up one day and all of a sudden you don't have to work anymore. Right. Uh, and so you know, and every every month I'm constantly refining my craft. You know, as you mentioned, I've done 300 interviews. Actually, now it's almost 400. And you know, I I go back and I listen to everything I do. I mean, I've worked at it for a really really long time. And this is. This kind of goes back to sort of our traditional reward system in which the the idea that you would put in so much effort into something without any external rewards for an extended period of time bothers most people because most people are not patient. Uh, and so I, I think that the, the, you know, the, if I could say anything, I would say patience, persistence, and grit, uh, all which kind of sounds similar, but each one has its own definition, are, are the things that have made all of this possible. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it, it's it's doing the day-to-day -day stuff and taking it seriously. That's the other thing is that you know, once you say, okay, this is going to be my life's work, then you you start taking it seriously. You take it much more seriously. Like I, I think about it nonstop. It's on my mind 24/7. You know, what am I going to do next? How am I going to create something more awesome? How do I keep leveling up? You know, it, it's it's not a competition with anybody else, but it's a competition against my own standard. Yeah, and it's also amazing. Uh, I found out probably the hard way as well is just is also finding something that's so valuable for, for other people because you see so many blogs now mm -hmm. coming up that are just related to like a trip they took 
mm-hmm. which is great if it's a personal blog, but I think they they think it's going to instantly make them famous in some way or make money from that well, blog. But all, all it is is talking about a, a trip they took or a different travel. And I think it's just because they see other people doing it. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the, a, a great thing to do, but they don't realize the work that, that goes into it. Yeah, I think it's really easy to look from the outside in and make all these assumptions and and you know think that it life is a certain way and that all of it is because I mean when you look from the outside in it's it's really you know like like you said all you see is the shiny accolades and the, and the cool pictures and the the you know stuff from conferences you don't see that hey by the way a shit ton of work just went into all of this you know like you don't see the the you don't see the beginning the humble beginnings of all of these projects because by the time somebody knows about them that they're only seeing what it is in its present day. But, you know, you remember every single person that you know online who has any degree of success started with nothing. I mean, like literally ideas in a moleskin type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then reading your school of life too, mm-hmm. reading the post about um, ego-based learning Yeah, and how it won't help you find your calling. And it totally resonated with me in, in a lot of ways, but I think back to when I left like uh, the town I grew up in just because I didn't want to be a blue collar worker in the oil industry. I, I didn't I didn't really like the, the type of perception or the people that were in there. Mm-hmm. And, and I ended up in business school simply because I liked entrepreneurship. But really, like I didn't learn anything about entrepreneurship in school. So I think I was just attracted to like being in. It seemed like it'd be better to be in a suit. <laughs> and it seemed like maybe you're more successful that way. But it's funny, like, do you have any, any, any tips for, like, really digging into ourselves and seeing who we really are? Um, you know what? It's, it's one of those things where the answer will frustrate you because it's not concrete, and that's yeah. because there isn't really a concrete answer. I mean, you know, I, I've been – a big part of my mission in doing these interviews is to get to that. You know, what is it that separates people who achieve extraordinary things? And the answer is never the same. It really, there, there's one thing I will say that, that I've finally come to realize is that you have to be willing to work with a compass instead of a map. That means you point yourself in a direction, and then you just go. And when you go, that means you're going to get into car crashes. That means lights are going to turn red. That means there's going to be detours. I mean, it's going to be screwed up, you know? I mean, shit's going to go wrong, and, and you just got to deal with it. Uh, so th- the thing is that if you're waiting for all the lights to be green, and I talked about this yesterday, I said, you know, th- there's one place, you know, that advice of look both ways before, before you cross the street is kind of bullshit for, for creative endeavors, right? Because the thing is, if you, you know, I say, don't look ways both ways before you cross the street of dreams, because then you're going to look at everybody else and say, well, I could never do that. Or I'm so far off from where that person is. Because the thing is, yeah, you're going to look at the people who've been on that you know path for the last four years, and then you're going to say, okay, well, what you'll do is you'll make your list of all the things that you might have to do to get there, and then you won't even take any step. Whereas the truth is that all that really matters is that you actually you know put the, push the gas pedal and go somewhere and do something. You know, most most people actually do nothing, and and that's where where they get get trapped. Uh, I mean, the amount of failed projects that I, I started before all of this is ridiculous. Like one by one, you know, it's just you, like I was like, okay, let me try this. Okay, it didn't work. And there's still things I try that don't work, you know, and, and that that is is something that I've gotten very comfortable with because I'm like, okay, well, you know, the cost of failure is is virtually zero, uh, other than looking kind of stupid. Yeah, and I think, uh, and as, as well, like I don't think a lot of people, a lot of people who look into these kind of unconventional lives, I guess. So sometimes from the outside it looks so amazing, but I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely always 
challenges with everything is like, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges of living like a, a more unconventional life? Well, okay, you brought up a good point in that you said, you know, from the outside and it looks very glitzy and glamorous. And the thing that you have to be careful of is that you're not just creating a different version of the hell that you're trying to escape right. uh, in the other part of your life. So that's one thing I, I will say. You know, I mean, you've got to deal with stigmas that come with this. People think you don't have a real, real work or people think you're lazy. I mean, it's it just there's all sorts of things like people think you're, you're free to do anything. And then, of course, you know, th there comes a point at which you have to start learning to say no. Like people will actually come to you. I mean, I, the, the, some of the requests I've had in the last couple of months have been ridiculous. Like, you know, I got a guy from junior high school and 35 years old who asks me if he can if I can help his wife build a personal brand. I was like. We were barely friends in junior high, you know, and so it just it's stupid things like that that become challenging. And the, and the other thing is it's all completely uncertain. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Every every month is different. Every, you know, like it's unpredictable. Right. That's so that's what makes it challenging. But that's also what makes it interesting. You know, it, it's not your day job. It's not going to be the same every day. And you at the end of the day everything is on you. You're responsible for your success or failure. Um, and you have to own that. So if you, if you fuck up or if you, if something goes severely wrong, uh, it's all on you. I mean, that, that's all there is to it. So there's, you're the most accountable person. You have full responsibility for your life. And it, you know, do you, some people think they want that, but then they realize that, wait a minute, because you don't realize at a job, how much shit people are actually doing for you outside of your paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And even if you like when you take time off from a normal job, you don't actually have to think about it. Yeah, exactly. But with your, your business, there's no you time do. off. Yeah, okay. there's no time off. I mean, you know, I spent three weeks in Costa Rica. Every day I was doing something related to this. And the paychecks are all over the place. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thing. But then on, on the side note, what would you say are some of the biggest benefits? Well, the biggest benefits are, are the freedom that comes with it. More than the freedom, I would say, is that you get to do work that really matters to you, right? Like things that are, are sort of purpose-driven and meaning-driven. Like you get to make a contribution and you get to actually have a stamp on the world that, that is yours. Like the thing that drove me kind of crazy about my jobs in the corporate world, and, and some people have awesome jobs. I'm not saying that jo jobs are all bad, but my jobs sucked. Uh, every job I had was a piece of shit. So the thing that, you know, you have to think about it, like I realized why I hated everything I did so much is because I never created anything. I ever made anything. Right. And that's like really, really important to me. Like I need to see the impact of, of what my work. And I think that's one of the great rewards of doing this. Like you can see something, you share it with somebody and you get to see, you know, the world gets to touch what you've made. And that to me is, is just awesome. I think that's the greatest thing about doing this kind of work. Yeah, that's true. I found a lot of the jobs I've been doing in the past too, is like, you feel like you're just shuffling paper. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, it's like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Nothing. I just got paid for something. <laughs> yeah, um, precisely. And just talking to you a little bit about uh, social media, I was thinking about just the other day, like how much of a change maker, I think social media and books have been just like being able to read about new ideas and then being able to connect with, with like-minded people all around mm -hmm. the world is like something that's so remarkable, remarkable about the internet and social media. So has, did social media, I know social media has probably helped, I'm sure play a part in your business success, but also has it helped play a part in, in the lifestyle choice? 
Yeah, um, in in a lot of ways, I'll tell you what the gift of social media really is. It, you know, it's it's not a more efficient marketing channel. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, let's face it, everybody who who actually you've ever heard me interview says that email is more important than social. But the thing that I think we, you know you you look at is that you have access to people in a way you never did before. Like you're connected to amazing, interesting, and inspiring people, and you can finally surround yourself with people who lift you up or who really kind of get you to seeing your full potential or, or, or realizing your full potential. And that to me is one of the gifts of social media. Like you get, you know, the, the kinds of people that you interact with, you'll never interact with. Uh, it, like you just wouldn't meet them. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I've found some of the most interesting, extraordinary people I've ever found in my entire life uh, because of the internet. Yeah. And it's amazing too, how close to like, I, I think back now to some of my, some of my closest friends now are people I met online. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just interesting, like, uh, the, you know, I have some best friends, for example, in Seattle, and I might only see them once or twice a year, and the rest is on Skype or on Facebook or whatever, but I feel like I know them really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of Facebook, I remember, I noticed you started to write exclusive essays as well, right, on Facebook? Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't know when that will stop or if it ever will. It just was – honestly, I just – I did it as the byproduct of my last book, The Smart Army Strategy. And then, you know, it kind of – like I just started experimenting with this and I was like, okay, let me see what else I can do here. And then I realized, I was like, wow, this is an interesting approach to connecting with people. Like I'm actually having an impact on people and I'm getting direct feedback and I'm not creating in this vacuum – and because it's not requiring people to leave, you know, Facebook, they're actually reading it. Unlike my blog, where it's like, okay, I got to click on this link, open up another website. And somebody asked me the other day, you know, would this work for for other people? And I said, you know, I don't think I don't know. You know, it works. James Altucher does it well, and we were joking about who started it first. But would it work for somebody else? I don't necessarily know because you 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 know, it's that whole you can't just take somebody else's roadmap and copy it. It for some people it might, for some people it not. It, it might not. I mean, to to some degree, and and not, I'm not trying to say this in a narcissistic way, but I, I think it works because it's me. You know, I mean, I have you. I've built a connection with these people, um, who do read my stuff on Facebook over the course of almost three or four years. Like a lot of them have listened to my work for a long time. A lot of them have read my stuff for a long time. So I, you know, it, I think it really started with a small group of people paying attention, and eventually, they just started spreading it bit by bit. And uh, one thing led to another, and, and you know that that's kind of how that all happened. And uh, it's it's been interesting. I, I have to say, like it, it's been a really strange approach to doing things. One that I never thought of. But I mean, bear in mind that it's not just about uh, writing these crazy essays on Facebook. I do have a goal, an end in mind with all of that. I'm working on something that is all of that is being compiled into something much bigger, because I know that you know when you when you compile it as a body of work, something changes dramatically. It, it becomes a much, much bigger, uh, you know, thing. Like the impact is very different right, than yeah. each individual piece. And Facebook's kind of an interesting platform because a lot of people look at Facebook as being this place where people tell you what they're doing all day and it doesn't really matter. But really it's how, how you design it because you can have all kinds of interesting people on there and then your, your news feed is like filled with inspiration. Yeah, exactly. And just a, a quick question on the School of Life because – Basically, it's about things they don't teach you in school. And I mean, it really, it's amazing how much we don't learn that's so valuable. I mean, even, even something as simple as managing money. I don't know mm-hmm. if they do that now, but it for sure wasn't taught to me. And uh, I was just like, so 
was that the biggest reason for starting that blog? It became the biggest reason. Yeah. Like I didn't know what the reason was in the beginning. In the beginning, it was like, let me write about self-help, and I like the title, The School of Life. And eventually the theme of, okay, let's write about what you should have learned in school but never did sort of emerged. And so that is kind of how we ended up with that whole idea. Okay, great. And any, uh, any new projects you're working on? Um, I'm working on something called The Art of Being Unmistakable, which is uh, it's a combination of a lot of the Facebook essays you've read, a speech I gave that was titled The Art of Being Unmistakable. It, it's, it's sort of a, a conglomerate. Um, I don't even know what the word is that I'm looking for, but it's a, 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 like a conclusion of all the work that I've done probably for the last four months or five months you know, with the combination of Facebook essays and everything else. And so that's really what I'm going for. Um, and, and I don't, you know, it's probably going to be a free manifesto. I'll probably require an email address, yeah. uh, you know, to actually get it. But it's one of those things that really has, um, uh, it, it's, it's evolved again, you know, it's an evolutionary process and, and that's why I'm, I'm doing it, but, uh, it, it could lead to something bigger. I mean, I think what it's going to be is a marketing piece for, uh, what ultimately is, is going to be the big project for the next year, which is uh, my first conference, uh, called the instigator experience. Yeah. I was, uh, I was reading about that online. So that's, you're going to be trying is, is it kind of like a, a retreat slash conference? Or? Um, I think a retreat would be a weird way of putting it. I, I wouldn't call it a retreat. I think it's it's going to be a, an experience, I guess, is the only way to put it. I mean, I'm, I'm really shaping the vision of it right now, so I, I can't answer the question in much more detail. And uh, just one last question. Um, I just wanted to, um, so like with Live Limitless, I kind of, I designed it basically. I just wanted to help people kind of push their limits and like eliminate those limiting beliefs and, uh -huh. And uh, just go after things they wanted to do, whatever it is. And I didn't want to focus it just on business. Like it might be starting a business. It might be just right. skydiving or, or, or volunteering. It's something that's important to them. So for like for a listener who's who's listening to this and they're they want to, they're they're craving something that's important, but they're they're still scared or held back by something. Um, what would be your advice to them? Uh you know, what I would say is anything extraordinary in your life occurs outside of your comfort zone. And my litmus test, and this is, you know, depending on your risk tolerance, the mind amplifies fear. Almost everything that you're scared of is completely irrational. It doesn't actually make logical sense because you won't die, you won't go to jail, and you won't go completely broke by trying any of the things that you want to try. And if you take the first step, you'll start to see that. So that's what I would say. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It means a lot to me. And, Hello. Uh, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, for everyone listening, I mean, you can check out blogcastfm.com or and also uh, theschooloflife.com, and I'll I'll have the have the links up there and and whatnot. And um, yeah, it was awesome having you on the show. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Have fun surfing, and maybe we'll talk to you. All right, soon. man. Take care. Hey, right, take care. Well, that's the end of episode number nine with Srini Rao. I think that was uh, that went awesome. That was a really awesome interview, and it's so funny when I listen to it because I can tell that I'm a little more nervous than I have been with other interviews. And I think it was just the fact that I've interviewed maybe ten people in my life, and he's interviewed almost four hundred. So, it just made me a little more nervous with the job I was doing, but. Uh, all comes with practice. So anyways, if, if you do want to uh, check out his site, as mentioned, blogcastfm.com, as well as theschooloflife.com, school spelled S-K-O-O-L. 
And please stop by livelimitless.net, leave a comment, uh, sign up for the newsletter if you'd like to know when the next podcast is coming out. And last but not least, if you like the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It'd be very much appreciated. And uh, we'll see you again next week.